What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all. As always, Tuesday night, that means Bracketology. Uh, doing this one, recording this one about 9 o'clock on Tuesday, a bit later than usual, but uh, wanted to kind of make sure we didn't have any um, any craziness in the two games today. Um, looks like might not have much craziness. Um, you had Notre Dame uh, do as expected um, against Marquette, a 12-5 to win there. Uh, Marquette did start uh, pretty solid uh, against the Irish, but uh, they settled, settled in there in the second quarter and were really late in the first and uh, took that one home as expected. As we speak, uh, Marist and NJIT is finishing up, and uh, NJIT, one of the teams that has not won a game all season, they're 0-9, <clears throat> uh, Marist team that really had, had high expectations for, um, and, and this one is in overtime now, um, 11-11, 11-11 in regulation, um, and uh, you know, Marist, Hunter, Embury, uh, the another Embury brother there uh, for them takes this one into overtime. So that uh, overtime period just about to get underway. If it goes final before, I'm, if I remember, might update y'all on that one. Um, but Marist looking for the NJIT looking for their first win of the season. Uh, Marist high hopes for them coming into the year, but uh, little. Uh, Bumps have kind of hindered things and haven't gone the way they would have hoped. Um, before we get to the bracketology, do want to talk a little bit, uh, some news and notes. Uh, we'll talk a little about the Cornell-Syracuse game on Monday. Uh, but first, some news and notes, and really only one thing to talk about here. Uh, Brett Dobson, uh, Poe Danarestia, and then I know Matt Keneally inside lacrosse talked to Dobson as well, uh, confirmed it. Uh, Brett Dobson, goalie for St. Bonaventure, is going to forego his fifth year um, of eligibility. Uh, he has that extra year there from 2020 that he could have used, and he was in the transfer portal uh, for 2023. <clears throat> He is uh, now foregoing that year of eligibility and will be entering the PLL draft. Uh, So going to be interesting to see what he does there uh, in the pro game. He's a day one starter type guy. He's been phenomenal his entire career uh, there at St. Bonaventure. uh, The first recruit uh, to St. Bonaventure, the first call that Randy Moans made. and. when he got that job, uh, Canadian uh, goal, goaltender, one of the, you know, you look at Canadian field goaltenders and, you know, Dylan Ward, guys like that. You know, Dobson, uh, by the time he's done, it is going to be up there as well. Um, in terms of the transfer market uh, for graduate transfer goalies, that takes him off the market. Uh, Daniel Hanks from Dartmouth and Teddy Dolan, um, a redshirt junior actually from Binghamton, uh, both still in the portal as 
fifth year uh, transfers, grad transfers, if you will, uh, with that extra year. Uh, so both those guys, Hanks and Dolan, uh, were the two big names there. Uh, Dobson, the, the biggest fish now out of the uh, out of the picture, if you will. Um, and just a little kind of refresher in terms of guys who've already decided where they're going in 2023, which isn't many. Um, Sean Goldsmith, the Mercer attackman, heading to North Carolina next year. Thomas McConvey, midfielder out of Vermont, heading to Virginia next year. And considering what they might have going on there um, at Virginia, you know, Matt Moore is gone. Looks like Griffin Schutz is going to get moved uh, to attack full-time. Um, as, you know, they played him at attack last week with the absence of Matt Moore. Um, and, and then you have Peyton Cormier. If he does come back as well, um, you know, he's kind of a midfielder attackman uh, type guy. You know, he's been starting at attack this season. Uh, well, they've moved the freshman shuts down to uh, midfield. So McConvey, there's a spot for him there. Uh, Jeff Connor, it's kind of that, uh, that that fourth midfielder, if you will. He got to start on Saturday, played pretty well. Um, there's a number of guys like that that you know could be moving on, could be coming back. So McConvey, uh, it looks like he's going to have a pretty good spot there at Virginia. I think we'll, we'll know however thing, however things shake out. Um, he's going to be an impact player down there in Charlottesville. And then Donovan Lacey, uh, he's a two-way midfielder out of Sacred Heart. Very, very fun player uh, to watch play. Um, and he'll do some dance moves after he scores as well, which is always uh, entertaining. Uh, he's heading down to uh, Maryland. Uh, he's a Maryland native uh, heading home to play for John Silman and the Topes for his fifth and final season of college lacrosse in 2023. Uh, We're not there yet. We're still in 2022. And uh, the Cornell Big Red uh, just coming off a rivalry win, uh, or two big wins, I would say, beating Harvard over the weekend. Um, You get a day's rest, and then you face rival rival, uh, Syracuse on Monday. They've got a big game against Army on uh, Saturday, which is going to be big for them. Uh, That's also a big game for Army uh, and the Patriot League. If they do want to get two teams in there, this game could be crucial uh, for uh, the Black Knights. Now, uh, you know, we'll talk a little bracketology later, but uh, just wanted to put that in there. Uh, Cornell, they get the 16 to 15 overtime win at Syracuse. Uh, this was an exciting game. This was an exciting game. And, and I'll say this right out the gate. The start of this game, you could clearly tell which team was more rested. It was Syracuse. Now, granted, they were coming off a, a, a tough loss against uh, Albany uh, at Albany on Thursday. They wanted to bounce back strong, and I think they did. They showed a lot. They showed a lot in this game. Uh, this game. They were able to move the ball and get those looks that they've been needing to get. They were able to play good lacrosse. The only thing was, Cornell, especially from that second quarter on, were really, really, I'd say, kind of that, you had that John Piatelli goal with 223 left um, in the second. 
Then you had that CJ Coast goal there uh, with 126 left in the second. That cut it to, to 6-10, to 10, uh, 10-6 lead for Syracuse. I thought right there, the way they ended that half, and even though Dordovic got that uh, buzzer beater with 14 seconds left, I thought right then and there is kind of when you saw Cornell start to wake up, shake that rust off, um, you know, get, get their legs under them and, and start going at full speed like they can. And this is a Cornell team. I think we've talked about it on here before. They can score at will. They can score in bunches. They did it against Harvard after a slow uh, first quarter. They did it again here against Syracuse. Uh, they scored, uh, what was it, six of the – let's find the stat here. They scored uh, five of the final eight goals of the contest. And, you know, they had that big run there. Uh, where it's 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 twelve to not it's twelve to eight, you know, coast to Piatelli, kind of midway through the third, five thirty eight left in the third, so late in the third, through the fourth, uh, with that Michael Long assist to Piatelli, and that gives them their first lead. Uh, that right there is really I think where they fully took over. Um, now credit to Syracuse, they fought back. Brendan Curry gets two quick goals, uh, to to, to get Syracuse back up fourteen thirteen, but. In the end, I think, obviously, Cornell wins this one. You get a Danny Cadigan man-up goal. You have that costly penalty there for, for, for Syracuse. And then, look, that last, that, that, that Piatelli assist to Michael Long, you know, he's driving. Uh, it was just a, like a little bit above GLE, driving towards the cage. The defense, the, 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 they hedged. I, I don't think they, they didn't need to hedge there. Michael Long's open on the back side, and then you can go watch that final goal and um, poorly timed slides, um, unneeded slides, if you will, um, for, for Syracuse. Um, and I think that's what killed him. That, that, that's kind of what killed him. Uh, the defense played phenomenal in the first quarter, quite frankly. Like, they, they played really good, uh, really good. They had, I think it was, they caused three uh, of five turnovers uh, for Cornell or somewhere in that ballpark um, in the first quarter. Uh, they played very well. And they played good in the second as well. Um, but once Cornell got that ball movement going, as they can and as they do, uh, the, the Syracuse defense, those slides were, were, were off, weren't as timely as they should be. Uh, they were sliding early to things they didn't need to be, hedging uh, earlier to things they didn't need to be. I mean – you, know, you, you leave Hugh Kelleher completely wide open. And before that, and I thought this was going to be the wide open one, you leave, you know, they, what was it, Billy Coyle, I think it was? Yeah, Billy Coyle, they left him practically butt naked wide open on, uh, I guess, you know, looking from the cage out on the left hash. And Hugh Kelleher's on, on the right hash of the football lines. And, you know, they get the slide to, 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 to coil in time that he doesn't shoot it, but he just kind of turns around. Oh, there's Billy Coyle right there uh, for a good little step-down shot. And the defense, they, they, they got contact on him right as that ball went in the cage, and Cornell gets the win um, here. Uh, but, look, credit to Syracuse. They, they came out hard. They, they played a good game. They played a good game. Um, 
better than they did against Albany. I, I will say that. But uh, that defense j- just is not uh, capable. Uh, maybe not. I don't want to say not capable, but they, they, they just they don't play the way. Um, and, and Syracuse hasn't done hasn't had really uh, incredible defenses for the last few years. They've had really good players on defense, right? Uh, Bombay, guys like that, but uh, Nick Mellon, like they've had good players, individual players, but as a unit, the, the, that Syracuse defense just has not been that impressive. Um, and, and even under a, a great defensive mind like Dave Petromala, and again, it's you one, uh, we'll see how he can improve things next year. Um, and as the season progresses, and I do think they've gotten better, but uh, just like their offense has gotten better, but it, it's just not good enough. It's not good enough. It's not the Syracuse standard uh, that you expect. Um, and, you know, they dropped to – what is their record now on the season? Syracuse, with that loss, drops to – and I think with bracketology, as we get close uh, – talk to that on the other side here. Yeah, Syracuse drops to 4-7, and seven, um, and they most likely are guaranteed – uh, their first losing season since 2007 uh, with you've got North Carolina. Uh, you're at North Carolina on Saturday, and then you are home against Virginia and home against Notre Dame. Um, and I, I don't think they beat Virginia. I think Carolina, it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back from this. Um I think they did show some good fight on set on uh, Tuesday, excuse me. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back, but I, I don't see them winning any of the, either of those three games. Um, there we saw what happened against Notre Dame last time. Now, granted, they did get in late, uh, got in at like 1 a.m. Their fight did. So, you know, but at, at, at some point you just can't, you, you can't make excuses and you just have to say, you know, it is what it is, and uh, it's, it's kind of what Syracuse is at the moment. Um, but, uh, you know, next year you get some of those good freshmen in there. Uh, we'll see Owen Hilt's back, uh, you know, hopefully 100%. Um, and, and we'll see what they can do. So, uh, yeah, 2007, they went 5-8. and eight. That's the last losing season, and uh, that was the only losing season of the John Desco era, uh, the only one. Uh, before that, and looking through here, uh, they did not have a losing season. 1975, Roy Simmons Jr. goes 3-8. Uh, 73, 74, 75 are the only three losing seasons under Roy Simmons Jr. Um, I mean, he was there from 71 to 98. Um, so you know, not many losing seasons since then. What did I say? Three under Simmons. Uh, and then you had one under Desco. So, I mean, you've had three from 1970, 1971 when Roy Simmons took over. Um, let's make that to, oh, no, let's do 72 because that's a full 10 years. 1972, how, I mean, that's two decades. Uh, I mean, that's 50 years. You've had four losing seasons in – 50 years of Syracuse lacrosse. Uh, now, doesn't, that doesn't mean the winning seasons have been, all of them have been spectacular. They had some some tough winning seasons, uh, you know, not making the NCAA tournament there 
uh, in the Simmons era a few years. But I mean, they've made the tournament uh, all but all but that one year under uh, under Desco, uh, which was that 2007 season. So uh, yeah, it's uh, tough times there in Syracuse. Uh, but with Cornell, uh, they seem to uh, just keep on growing, keep on getting better. And mentioned they got Army this weekend and the against Brown and at Princeton. That Princeton game uh, could be very crucial, but also that Brown game could be crucial as well. We'll talk about that and more bracketology on the other side. Moving on to uh, bracketology here. Uh, put out my third look at bracketology here. On Tuesday, uh, about 11.50, I believe, is when it came out. A little bit later than uh, usual, but I wanted to get that Monday night game, um, if anything, moved on the RPI, which did a little bit. So I wanted to get all that <clears throat> situated before I you know, took a full dive into this. Um, looking at the projected automatic qualifiers, um, the only two changes that have been had here are Vermont and St. Joseph's um, there. Um, and as always, if there's a tie, um, I, I use the highest RPI there, unless it's a situation where you get the head-to-head um, thing going on there, because then that's the tiebreaker. Uh, so there is really no tie. But if there is a tie, um, I normally use the highest RPI, um, unless there's the head-to-head thing uh, there. Um, and in the America East, you know, Vermont is 3-0 in conference play. Uh, Binghamton, they obviously um, did not play uh, against NJIT uh, two weeks ago. Uh, there you had the um, – and that game will be next Tuesday. Obviously, you had the, the very sad situation um, there with uh, – well, you all know what what happened there. But very, very, very sad situation. Um, and, and so they, you know, haven't played since, since March 29th. Uh, they, they had the bye week. Um, oh, the game was canceled, and they had the bye week the next week. So, um, you know, they will play again here uh, against Stony Brook on on Saturday. Um, and they're two and zero in conference play because of not playing um, that one uh, one game there against NJIT. Um, so uh, Vermont now three and zero in conference play is sitting there in first place uh, there. And uh, those two teams will play uh, in a few weeks. Yeah, two, not this weekend, but next weekend. Those two teams will play. And uh, Binghamton uh, got a win over uh, Vermont last year. A really good win for them. Uh, 10 to 7. Uh, coach McEwen, uh, you know, great coach, better person, uh, doing a good job up there uh, with his alma mater. Uh, so they, Vermont right now, sitting there in the America East, they've kind of, you know, been strong in conference play after uh, maybe, I think m- maybe some of the expectations for Vermont to come out and like you know, beat Duke and, and all this stuff. I think, I think we're a little uh, overblown, um, o- o- overhyped, um, if you will. But as expected, they're getting it done in, in conference play, and, and that's what matters. Um, you know, to me, Vermont's not a people say a little bust this year because they, you know, had a struggle early on. You know, losses to Brown. Um, beat Penn State, but you know they you know, lost to Duke in that opener. Uh, no shame in that, but um, you know, so you know, conference play. I'd say that's not a bust. 
Um, and, and look, for a lot of these American East teams, you go, you play some of these ACC teams, they're not going to win all the time. You're not always going to get upsets, but, uh, you know, play them tough. In the A-Sun, uh, Utah, 6-3, and 2-0 and in conference play. Uh, Utah, looking good there, looking strong. They will have – so it's them and Robert Morris are, are there tied uh, there at the top, and they actually play this weekend. We'll talk about that one a little bit more. On Thursday, the Andrew McMinn Bowl uh, there. That one is in Salt Lake City. Going to be fun one to watch there. Andrew McMinn playing his former team. Uh, And, again, we'll talk more about that one on uh, Thursday. And two teams that play a similar style. Um, So it will be fun to watch. Big East and the Big Ten, not much to say. Georgetown in the Big East, Maryland in the Big Ten. Pretty much expected to stay like that at the moment uh, or throughout the season, if you will. Uh, in the CAA, the uh, Crazy Athletic Association, or the, uh, you know, wh- whatever the heck you want to call it, Towson is 2 0 in conference play. Uh, side note, we do have an article coming out on Wednesday, uh, so may or may not be out by the time y'all are listening to this. Uh, talk to Coach Natalin. Uh, this afternoon uh, about their start. Uh, uh, good start there for them. And obviously, you know, missed the postseason last year for the first full season since uh, since he's been there. Um, so uh, actually, was it second time or first time there since he's been there? But, um, you know, it seems like they're getting back on track. And uh, the CAA, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, Delaware is 0-2 in conference play, which I – they were, you know, Drexel was obviously the favorite having won the conference last year and returning so much. But, uh, you know, Delaware was right there as that second favorite. And uh, Towson gets Delaware this weekend. Uh, Drexel gets Ostra. Fairfield gets UMass. That is still anyone's conference, uh, as always. The Ivy League has been the best conference in the country this season. Princeton 8-2, and 3-1 and one in conference play up there at the top. Uh, Princeton... <clears throat> is up there at the top right now in the league standings. Yale is number two with that three and one record. Um, and hold on, let me check this. Okay. They fixed it. They fixed it uh, on the Ivy league website. The stats were wrong. They had, there were some games that were conference games. They didn't have marked as that. So uh, making sure that's all correct right now. Um, like I think Princeton. Yeah. Okay. They got it all corrected now. They got it all correct. Um, Princeton two and one, Harvard two and one, Brown one and two, Penn one and three, uh, which is uh, kind of an interesting situation for the Quakers after a really good start to the season. Had that good win over Cornell. Um, you get the OT loss to Yale, and you get the loss to Brown. There, the Ivy League is going to be fun to watch as things pull down the stretch here uh, in the MAC. Uh, the, 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 the MAC, always uh, another conference where, you know, craziness is the norm. Uh, and, and you got, you know, St. Bonaventure up there, 3-0 and right now. And conference play, 8-2. and Obviously, just talked about Brett Dobson um, and what he's done at St. Bonaventure um, and what this team has done. You know, three games left, Siena, Quinnipiac, Canisius. Uh, they played Marist, played Manhattan, played Monmouth. Um, I think those are probably the three best teams 
you know, roster wise. Uh, obviously, Maris not doing what we expected, but I think roster wise, probably still, uh, you know, one of the three best. And so, excuse me, including in according to the standings, one of the three best as well. They're two and one uh, in conference play. Manhattan three and one. Uh, Coach Kelleher and company getting it done up there again uh, this season. Really good uh, build what he's been able to do up there at Manhattan. Uh, so, you know, that is that is one to watch. St. Bonaventure, uh, they you know, really don't have any games left that really, you know, stick out to me as like these are must-win games to get that number one seed. Um, I do think they're probably going to run the table and win this thing. Uh, based on how they're playing right now. But uh, again, in the MAC, you can never never count out anything. Um, I think they've had, what, no VP champions since 2007, 2008. Uh, they've had, and that was when Providence was in the conference, they've had a four seed win the conference, 2013, 2018, so twice in the past, uh, you know, what was 2013? About seven years ago, so past seven, eight years, you've had two four seeds. Uh, win the conference, uh, Detroit, Mosey, and Canisius. You've had, uh, what, Marist, Quinnipiac, 2018, uh, 2016, 17. It's the only time where you've had back-to-back uh, uh, title. No, title game was the same. I think Marist is the only team that's been to three straight titles since Siena did it in the Brian Breck days. I mean, so that is constantly ever-changing in that conference, so you never know what's going to happen. But St. Bonaventure looks at the top right now. Where things get interesting – actually, well, let's talk about this real quick. And we'll do these other two conferences first. NEC, St. Joseph's, that is uh, most likely going to stick. Uh, but, again, um, a conference which you haven't had the number one seed win it in, in, in some time now. Uh, St. Joseph's is has been the number one seed multiple times. However, they've never won a conference title. That is the one hump that they've never been able to get over. Um, they got a, a, a strong win over uh, Bryant on Saturday. Uh, Bryant, furious comeback in that one. Uh, St. Joe's able to hold them off. That was really the marquee game of the season. St. Joe's and Bryant there. Um, in the NEC this season, the marquee game. Uh, LIU Bryant sitting there kind of behind St. Joe's at the moment, and it looks like the Hawks are going to roll through the rest of uh, this slate as they have LIU this weekend, Sacred Heart, and Merrimack. They do play Penn on uh, that Tuesday game on the 26th uh, at Penn. That's going to be an interesting one. Uh, there. Uh, Jacksonville has taken full control of the SOCON 2-0 record in conference play now. Having beaten High Point and Richmond, they've all but locked up that number one seed in the SOCON. Now to where things get interesting. Uh, Patriot League, Boston U, 8-3, 5-0 in conference play. Um, if you look at the Patriot League standings, you'll notice there is someone else. Uh, I believe is, excuse me, no, um, Boston U is the only undefeated team. Oh, wait. Yes. Uh, I was thinking of something else. Lehigh is also um, 5-0 in conference play. 
th- 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 those you know, Boston U, Lehigh, Army, and, and Loyola have more or less locked up. Uh, you know, they, they have locked up kind of those uh, the the spots in the Patriot League tournament. Those four teams have Boston U, Lehigh, Army, and Loyola. Now Boston U plays uh, next week. Oh, they they end the season with Army. They play Loyola this weekend, and they're at Lehigh next weekend. They're at Loyola this week. They play Army at home. Three really big games for them. If they want to keep that number one seed, they have to win those games. And I've said all you, I, I like this Boston U team. I think they've got a lot of good players. There's not many holes on this team. However, I do want to see them against tougher competition. They lost 13-10 to 10 in a fun game against Harvard. But then you play Yale. And look, I think Yale's the best team in the Ivy right now, uh, the way they're playing. You get rolled 22-15. to 15. They put up 11 in a period on you. Um, you beat, you get, get, get held to, to seven goals against Princeton. And look, that, that's, a, that's a heck of a defense that they got there at Princeton. Um, now, what are they going to do against Loyola? What are they going to do against Lehigh and Army? That, that's the question. And, and that's where things get interesting. And, and, you know, any which way that this big – we'll talk about this later, but Patriot League, Big East, if, if wild things happen there and, and the status quo does not stay as it is, the ACC is in trouble. The ACC is in trouble. And to those at-large selections, um, Virginia, and speaking of the ACC, Virginia – is the only team I would say is a lock in the ACC. I've said it all year. The only team that's a lock, well, I've said it all year since Black Ontology began. The only ACC team with a lock is Virginia. Uh, Notre Dame, North Carolina, Duke would be those next three teams. Right now, I have Notre Dame in. I have Notre Dame in. Uh, The the RPI and transfer schedule is not as good as Denver. However, I think when you look at all the other criteria and holistically, right now, it appears Notre Dame would get in over Denver. It is kind of my opinion. Like, Denver, who have they beat? Ohio State and Villanova. Okay, cool. Notre Dame. You could say a similar thing about them. You could say that. Who have they beaten? Okay, you beat Syracuse. You beat Michigan, and you beat Duke. Okay, you've lost to Virginia. You've lost to Ohio State. Okay, Maryland and Georgetown. Well, not that a loss is good, but those are good losses. Like, if you're going to lose to somebody, lose to those teams. Um, So I think right now Notre Dame would probably get in over – uh, Denver, because D- Denver, you have the Jacksonville loss, and Jacksonville is a good team, but again, it's a SoCon team. I know the committee's not going to look at that. Um, you know, they're six and five right now. They they lost to Carolina, they lost to Yale, they, they have the win over Ohio State and Villanova, and, and that's really kind of it. So, Denver, Notre Dame, kind of right now in a similar boat. I think you could put either of those teams in at the moment. I, I put Notre Dame in um, over here, but very much similar boat there on the bubble, as is Carolina, as is Duke, as is Brown, um, and, and Johns Hopkins, also a team in there that, uh, you know, the 5-7 and seven coming off that loss to uh, Ohio State. Uh, they're going to need some help if they want to get in, uh, either help themselves out um, with, I mean, a win over 
Maryland would certainly uh, boost them. Uh, they've got Penn State this weekend, Maryland next weekend, and then we'll see what they do in the Big Ten tournament. That could be uh, a, a way for them to get in if they can get that AQ as well, or possibly play your way into the title game and you get uh, you know get an at-large for that uh, for, for, for that performance. But they don't really like they, they don't. I don't. I need to go read what I've written up here, but I don't believe they take into consideration um, the um, the um, it's called it's called um, postseason. There we go, postseason. Some other, you know, so so so, so let's kind of get back on track here. Um, so the teams for that large year, I know I went off a little bit, but um, teams for that large year, Yale, Virginia, Cornell, Rutgers, Penn, Harvard, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Those are the eight um, Those are the eight at-large selections I have right now. Um, who are the two that are probably the most trouble that I've picked there? Uh, well, my final four of the last four in, Penn, Harvard, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Um, the, the, Notre Dame, obviously, Harvard and Penn. I think of the of the three teams there, uh, you really in lacrosse need to do a last three in because of the tournament size, but I do four. Um, I think those three teams, Penn, Harvard, uh, Notre Dame, are in the biggest trouble right now. Like, they've got to finish out strong. And, I mean, you look at Harvard, uh, Harvard and Penn, uh, they play each other this weekend, and that's going to be a big one. Uh, I, that game could very well decide who gets that fourth seed in the Ivy League tournament uh, there. Um, and so, so that's going to be a big one. Brown plays Yale this weekend. Uh, that is also going to be a big one. Now, you know, Brown beat Harvard. Brown beat Penn. Okay. Now, Penn and Harvard play. Who's going to win that one? It's a little circle. Who's going to win that one? Um, so... That, that, that is an interesting little three-way uh, battle there for the last spot in the Ivory League tournament uh, to watch. Um, and, 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 and again, going to help decide kind of that at large. Is there a possibility the Ivy League, the, 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 the team that's left out of the Ivy League tournament gets in the comp, gets in the NCAA tournament? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe a possibility. Maybe a possibility. We'll see. Um Yale, Virginia, Cornell, Rutgers, I think are all pretty safe. Um, I think Ohio State's pretty safe after what they've done. Uh, Not a whole lot to talk about here, really. Um, ACC-wise, as I've said, like Duke, Carolina, Notre Dame, they all control their own destinies. They have to get these wins, have to win the rest of the way. Um, Brown, as I mentioned, kind of controls their own destiny too. Um, And – Brown, I did not mention the other games they finished the season with, but uh, they finished the season at the uh, at home versus Yale this weekend. They beat Yale. They beat Cornell next weekend. I think they're in. I think they're in. They're in the Ivy League tournament. Uh, th- th- that's going to be it. Um, they have Bryant. They have Dartmouth to end the season there that last week. Uh, so um, I would expect them to be to win both those games. Although that Bryant. Uh, th- those those Ocean State Cup games are always uh, tough battles between those squads. Uh, Johns Hopkins, we talked about them. Uh, Duke, 
Duke, Duke, Duke, Duke, Duke. Let's hit on Duke and Carolina a little bit. We've talked ACC uh, more so in the context of Notre Dame, who, who I think is probably the uh, the one team uh, right now, I said, is kind of ahead the pack there, uh, that bottom of the ACC, uh, really a bottom cluster. Uh, you look at Carolina, they've got Syracuse this weekend. I think they get that win. Uh, but you have at Notre Dame, at Duke, are going to be two crucial games for them. Duke, uh, Thursday night, they can make a splash. They can make a, a, a case to the committee Thursday night. You beat Virginia, and, 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 and you make that case. You get that win. That's going to be huge. North Carolina and at Notre Dame to end the season, both those games. If they went out these last three, I think Duke is in, um, certainly. And like being in this little battle here, Carolina, Notre Dame, and Duke, and they all play each other to end the season, That, that that's going to be a fun, fun situation, uh, fun last uh two or three weeks here to watch in the ACC. And by the way, the ACC is doing that thing where they play each other twice again, as you've noticed, as you know. So the actually the games on May 7th this year, they're playing into May uh, regular season-wise. Uh, that first uh, May 7th, because a lot of teams this year, the way the calendar falls, a lot of teams, you know, they end that, uh, that 30th. They end on the 30th. Um, is is that final is that final uh, week? Uh, but for uh, the ACC, they're playing conference games. Uh, it might just be that Notre Dame Duke game, but I know there's a couple on the seventh there, um, May seventh, uh, which will be the same weekend as uh, multiple conference tournaments. Uh, I think all the conference tournaments, yeah, they'll all be played that week. Um, but the ACC, they'll still be in play regular season-wise. Let's get to the bracket here. Um, you can go on lacrossebucket.com if you need a visual. Uh, I have uploaded the bracket there. Um, I, I zoomed in on it a little bit more than last week and the past few weeks, so hopefully you can see it better. I know my handwriting isn't the best. Um, I do just kind of the handwriting and then I take a picture of it and put it on here. So uh, easy way to do it. I'm, I'm not all technical with the graphics and all that. I've done graphics before, but uh, just decided to do it this way this year. It gives it a little little rough look, but uh, it's fine. It works. I don't really care. Um, number one, Maryland, obviously, out of the Big Ten. And then the two play-in games I have. Oh, let's go. Number two, Princeton out of the Ivy. Um, so I have them getting their AQs and them getting the one and two seeds. Uh, that's the same as last week. Vermont. I have coming out of the America East, Utah out of the A-Sun. I have them playing each other there in the um, that play-in game. Um, I know the committee doesn't like to do uh, rematches, and I kind of forgot they played each other this season. So uh, no, that one, it, if those two teams do get in, uh, they'll probably be split down here. So it would probably be you know St. Joe's and Utah or St. Joe's and, or St. Bonnie's and Vermont. A mixture of that. Uh, St. Bonnie's and St. Joe's I have in the other uh, play-in game. So uh, probably flipped there. I kind of forgot about that. Yeah. Um, number eight seed going down from the top, I have Penn. I have them playing Ohio State. Uh, number five seed, I have Virginia. I have them playing Boston U, the Patriot League. Uh, AQ, number four seed, I have Yale playing Jacksonville out of the SoCon. 
Um, number three, I have Georgetown out of the Big East. I have them playing Towson out of the CAA. Number six, we have Cornell. I have them playing Notre Dame. Number seven, we have Rutgers. I have them playing Harvard. Um, not many changes to this week. Obviously, entered Towson in there for UMass. Jacksonville for uh, Richmond as they got that win. Um, but really similar to, to the last few weeks, still have five Ivy League teams in there. Um, you know, I I don't know. Are they going to get five in? Are they going to get four in? I think four makes a lot more sense than five. But I do think um, if the status quo kind of stays the same in the Big East, if it stays the same or similar in the Patriot League, um, it, you know, it probably is going to look like five. Um, and I don't really see at this point what the ACC could do um, to get, you know, I, I, I don't think Carolina, like I think Carolina's on the outside looking in. Duke's obviously on the outside looking in. I, I just don't know what those two teams can do outside of winning out. Um, I, I don't see, uh, uh, of those two, Carolina and Duke, I don't see both getting in. I only see one getting in. Um, and I think it's probably going to be Duke. Um, of Notre Dame, I, I, I see them getting in right now, but there's also a spot where, where they couldn't get in, and, and, and the ACC just gets Virginia and you know, Duke or Virginia and Carolina. Like it, those, those are a scenario where you only get two in, um, and, and that's going to be tough, and especially if something happens in the Big East, happens at the Major League, that's going to impact the ACC. So – Tough times in the ACC this season. But uh, like always, final stretch here of the season. It's fun. It's exciting. Uh, The next few weeks are going to be uh, just as wild as ever as they always are. Expect expect craziness. Expect chaos. I do. I love it. Y'all should love it as well. Well, unless it impacts your team, I understand. That is all for today's episode. Again, thank you all for tuning in. You can connect with us on social media at LacrosseBucket on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, LacrosseBucket.com on uh, LacrosseBucket.com where it's always lacrosse season. When I start fuzzing out and saying different words, it's when we know it's time to go.